Welcome to the Covenant of Peace radio broadcast, the teaching ministry of Pastor Blair Bradley. This program is dedicated to bringing you the glorious truth of God's Word, one verse at a time. We are living in powerful days and we are seeing tremendous changes in our lives, our culture, our nation, and in the church. So now more than ever, we have a great need to exercise spiritual discernment and to know what the Bible teaches about the important issues that we all face today. So let's join Pastor Blair as he continues our study on the Word of God. Welcome again, my beloved in Jesus Christ. We're continuing our verse-by-verse journey through the epistle of Jude, and today we're going to continue to go over what Jude taught about how to combat heresy. So let's open our Bibles and read Jude verses 17 through 21 again together. But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Now, we're continuing to discuss how to obey verse 20 of Jude, which tells us to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Now, we've been journeying through the book of Jude for well over nine months now, and we have come to a place that is so vital that we need to spend some time with it. For 19 verses, Jude has been telling us about heretics who come into the church bringing in false doctrine and apostasy in order to deceive the simple. And now here in verse 20, Jude gives us the best defense against that false teaching, and that is for us to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. This passage is the key to the whole book of Jude. We are living in a day when most people who attend church are weaker than at any time in Christian history. We are less prepared, less aware, less able to defend against false teaching now than the church was 2,000 years ago, and that is directly attributed to us not doing what the Bible teaches so that we may build ourselves up on our most holy faith. Now, on the last broadcast, we were discussing the path that Jesus laid down for us to do this in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. So let's read that passage again. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation... The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Now, in this passage, Jesus said there were three keys to becoming strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And those three keys, which will cause us to build ourselves up on our most holy faith, are that whoever comes after Jesus must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. And on the last broadcast, we were looking at what it means to deny yourself. To deny yourself means that you refrain from doing what you want to do in order to do what you're supposed to do. Denying yourself involves self-control, one of the fruit of the Spirit. 
This shows us that that the that only saved people can truly deny themselves because lost people don't have the Holy Spirit and thus they are they do not possess the fruit of self-control. It is impossible to deny yourself at the same time that you are fulfilling the lusts of your flesh. The internal cravings and desires that our flesh manifests always fights against denying ourselves. So beloved, when we are when when we have to be able to look at ourselves honestly and see whether we are being driven by our lusts or if we are being led by God's spirit. And when I say that, I must make mention of the term being led by God's spirit because it's been so misused in our day. Being led by God's spirit does not mean that God is going to give you whatever your, your heart craves. Being led by God's spirit does not mean that you will always do great and mighty things and always have good things happen to you as, as a result of you being led by God's spirit. Jesus Christ was led by God's spirit, but it's interesting how the Bible describes just how Jesus was led by God's spirit. For example, let's look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 that says, Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Bible says that Jesus was led by God's spirit to go into the wilderness to fast 40 days and to be tempted of the devil. Now, most of the time when we talk about being led by God's spirit, we usually don't think about things like this, but we should because the Bible says that Jesus is fast. His walking in the wilderness as being tempted of Satan was all due to the fact that he was led by God's spirit. Now, keep in mind that God, the Holy Spirit, did not tempt Jesus, and I want to make that abundantly clear. The Bible says that God does not tempt anyone, but it was God's perfect will that Jesus walked for a time in the wilderness. It was God's perfect will that Jesus fast 40 days. It was God's perfect will that Satan tempt Jesus, and because the Holy Spirit will never do or say or reveal anything that is not God's perfect will, the Spirit led Jesus to do to all of these things. Now, many times God's Spirit will lead you into a wilderness and will not lead you into great and wonderful things. Many times God's Spirit will lead you to fast and cause you to be terribly disturbed and deeply troubled over issues. God's people have prayed and sought God with agony over lots of things throughout the centuries. The point that I'm making here is that it is wrong to think that just because it is hard or difficult or just because something costs you, that that doesn't mean that it's God's will. Ultimately, God is infinitely more concerned about the condition of your soul than he is the condition of your bank account. God is more interested in whether you are being faithful to Scripture than he is that your body is healed. And he's much more concerned that you are living a life of self-denial than he is that you are prospering and accumulating more and more of this world's goods. Now, I know that most preachers and teachers today are saying that God wants you to have the best and to possess more and be large and expand your territory and do great things. But the fact of the matter is that when we as frail human beings set our mind on all that God can do for us rather than what God wants us to do for him, 100% of the time we become very self-centered, very discontented, very unhappy, selfish, carnal, and easily led astray. God's Spirit will never lead you into becoming sinful. God's Spirit will never cause you to think that covetousness and greed and arrogance and pride are good and noble qualities. God's Spirit will never promote you to love money or set your eyes on things that are 
temporary and base and earthly and terrestrial. We must remember that we have a home in glory land that outshines the sun and this world is not our home and we will never be able to make this earth to be heaven. Listen, we do not want Christendom. We want Christianity. This earth is cursed and it is for the most part corrupt and it is decaying every hour and it will soon vanish away and all of our possessions will pass away with it. So we must take heed to ourselves that we do not change the gospel of God to make it the gospel of America. Now, I love this country and I support it, but the government of the United States does not have the ability to bring forth the kingdom of God, never has and never will have that kind of power. I love what American free enterprise and prosperity has brought to us. I myself enjoy the luxuries and the nice things that money buys. I live here too. But we all must guard our hearts because this nation prospers only because God has blessed the nation and the God that gave it all can take it all away in a moment of time if we do not repent and serve him. Keeping all of our stuff and maintaining our standard of living and keeping television safe for Andy Griffith is not the primary goal of the church, and it should not be our primary goal either. Our goal should be to figure out how to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to every creature and that we serve him with gladness of heart regardless of the circumstances and that we give God the maximum amount of glory in whatever situation that he has sovereignly allowed us to be in. We must remember that our goal is not to be safe and prosperous and healthy. Our goal is to remain faithful to Jesus in whatever situation God has sovereignly brought into our lives. My brothers and sisters, the life of a Christian is a life of self-denial, not self-indulgence. Prayers and teachings and sermons and songs which promote self-centered and self-indulgent and covetous behavior are not godly. They are the enemy of the Lord Jesus, and they do great damage to our ability to grow strong in the faith. It has only been in recent American history that selfishness ceased to be preached against as being a horrible sin. Jesus' words about denying ourselves should ring in our ears every morning, and we must remember that the greatest hindrance that we face every day as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ in accomplishing the will of God on this earth is not a lack of money, nor is it a lack of possessions, neither is it a lack of good health. No, God has always used the weak and the unlikely and the poor. The greatest hindrance that we face today in accomplishing the will of God in the earth is the ravages of sin in our own hearts and in our own lives. One prayer, one prayer prayed out of covetousness will set you back in your effort to build yourselves up on your most holy faith. Just one action that is motivated by ungodly and carnal lusts does not glorify God, nor does it make you spiritual. It makes you carnal and is a reproach to Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't teach that God loves us when we are operating in human pride. The Bible says that God resists us. We are not walking in humble obedience to God when we are rushing around madly trying to get ahead in this life. We are doing no different than those who don't even know the Lord. God's seal of approval on our lives is not fat bank accounts and large tracts of land. God's seal of approval on our lives is our depth of faithfulness to his word, and our willingness to follow him regardless of the personal cost. So I ask you, 
How long has it been since you sought God for him to show you ways in which you could obey him and deny yourself? How long has it been since you were taught or heard a sermon about the beauty of a life of self-denial? In our age of materialistic greed and human pride and arrogance, would we not all do well to return to the biblical truth about the power of humility and the glory of self-denial? Now, I realize that the reason that we are so encouraged by material possessions and miracles and fantastic prosperity is because we are human, and as human beings, those things impress us. We all have to fight envy in our hearts when we see others do well. We all have twinges of jealousy when we hear testimonies about great things, but it is precisely because we are human that we must abandon human schemes if we ever hope to be strong in the spirit. Carnal and earthly and fleshly tactics will never bring about spiritual strength. You just simply can't get there from here. In fact, the more our joy and peace and happiness is tied to earthly things, the less joyful we will be, will, we will be about spiritual things. And that's not true because I say it. The Christian church has taught this for over 2,000 years. It has only been in our generation that we started to believe the lie that the pathway to spiritual strength and the pathway, pathway to accomplish God's will goes through base and carnal things like money and possessions or physical healing. Brothers and sisters, we have to ask God to help us to go his way if we want to be spiritually strong, and God's way is not like our way. So I encourage you today to honestly examine your heart. See if you earnestly desire to seek after God on his terms and not on your own terms. And see if you can seek after spiritual strength by denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. Well, I have to stop right here, but please join me again on the next broadcast as we continue our journey through the epistle of Jude. May God help us all. Dear friends, if this radio broadcast of line upon line, precept upon precept teaching of God's holy word is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider supporting us financially? We want to increase our exposure here on the Gulf Coast through more radio stations and through the internet. Would you pray about coming alongside of us and help us do that to God's glory? For further information about how you can partner with us in seeing the gospel triumph in our area or to receive a copy of today's broadcast, go to our website, www.covenantofpeace.net. Until next time, may the peace of God keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus.